Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Jeff, and along with Brian, we are the hosts of this program. Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast and our ongoing series, Answering the Question, Are Miracles Being Performed Today? My name is Brian, and along with me is Jeff. Jeff, are you ready for uh, part two of this good study? Yes, indeed. It's uh, definitely a fascinating topic and, and relatively timely, uh, given what uh, a lot of people are claiming these days. Yeah, that's right. And and we're fortunate to have with us Alan Hitchin for this study. And uh, Alan, first, welcome and uh, glad to have you back to talk about this important subject. It's so good to be back. And, and I'm really looking forward to going through the material. There's so much confusion in the world today on the subject, not just of miracles, but the whole gambit of what we would call spiritual gifts, people speaking in tongues, people uh, believing that they're prophesying today, others who think they're performing miracles. And and so we want to kind of explore that a little bit more and hopefully give our listeners an opportunity to really give some careful thought to these things. Yeah, so as we mentioned, this is part two. And uh, for those of you who have not had the opportunity to listen to part one, encourage you to do that. Alan kind of set the table for the subject that we're talking about, and we'll be elaborating on that today. So Alan, for those that uh, have listened, or maybe those that have not, and would still like to kind of get an idea of what you talked about, can you give us a summary of what you talked about in our last episode? Yeah, that 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 would be good. Uh, we started with Moses, who was the first person that was ever given signs that we read about in the scriptures. Uh, God sent Moses to Egypt with the ability to uh, perform many different signs, which he did. And then at the toward the end of his uh, uh, life, God had him warn the people that there would be people who would come. This is in Deuteronomy 13, and we spent a lot of time on this one in our first podcast. There's going to be people who come who will be able to give signs or wonders, and those signs or wonders will definitely be able to be brought to pass. But if the person who has performed the miracle goes on to teach something that is contrary to the scriptures, then God says, I didn't send him. He performed a miracle. I won't argue with that. God didn't argue with that. He said the sign or wonder comes to pass because man has ways of, of making signs and wonders come to pass. But the issue that we have to look at is that uh, there's two kinds of miracles throughout the scriptures. There's the miracles that were sent by God to confirm uh, the people who were speaking for him. And then there's the miracles that are performed by those who want to counterfeit those miracles and in the process of counterfeiting them, uh, get people to move away from the scriptures. And so when Jesus talks about these things, I tell you what, Brian, one of the scriptures we looked at last week, why don't you read Matthew 24, verse 24? Okay, here it says, For false Christ." and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So Jesus gave this prophecy, and this is a prophecy that has continued through the centuries. As we read history books, we can find different people who have come and gone off of the uh, stage of, wor of the world uh, as it has continued to unfold, and these people have been able to perform these signs. And unless we understood the scriptures, unless we knew the scripture was here, these signs would lead us to think that maybe they were from God. Because sometimes people can do things that are amazing. And yet Jesus warns us that the purpose of these miracles is to deceive. And so there's no doubt that some miracles are false. And clearly some of the miracles that are being performed today or false. And so what we want to do in this podcast is we want to look at the difference between the genuine miracle and how to determine if it's a genuine miracle and the other miracles that look like and smell like and, and feel like the real miracle, but they're not real miracles. And so we have a lot of miracles being performed today. No question about that. Almost every church uh, every denomination in the world today has people who are performing these miracles. The question is, are they genuine miracles, miracles that Jesus has sent, 
or are these the false miracles? And that's what we're, really what we want to discover. Well, and Alan, that's a good point because I suspect a lot of our listeners, you know, may have co-workers or friends or family, loved ones uh, who may be convinced that they've seen these kinds of miracles today. And, you know, when you start questioning them about these kinds of things, sometimes they're very sensitive, you know, to these kinds of questions, um, you know, as if their own, you know, credibility or, or honor was at stake. You know, like they, they get offended, like, well, you know, how, how dare you? Know, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. Seeing is believing, et cetera. Uh, how, how would, what's your thoughts about that? Well, this is the real issue that we have to focus on because, and, and God knew this. That's why he sent, that's why he devised these miracles. He knows that seeing a genuine miracle, you remember Peter saying, we were eyewitnesses. We did not follow cunningly devised fables. We were eyewitnesses. They saw Jesus feed 5,000 people. They saw Jesus uh, uh, heal Lazarus, raise him from the dead. They saw all these things. And they were convinced. And if somebody had come up to them and said, you know, Jesus really didn't perform those miracles, well, of course they'd be offended. Because what are you calling me a liar? I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. And that's why I say there are lots of miracles that we see with our own eyes. And I'm not, we're not trying to impugn anyone's credibility. Yes, indeed, you may have seen a miracle with your own eyes. The question is, did that miracle come from God? Or is that miracle something that was devised and planned to deceive? And both of these are abundantly testified in the scriptures. And I really think that too many people today have forgotten something very important, and that is that miracles were always under God's Word. They were never, ever to replace God's Word or to be taken above God's Word. So every miracle has to be uh, assessed. It has to be assessed. It has to be looked at. Because Jesus warns there's going to be a lot of people on the Judgment Day who are going to say, Lord, because we performed all these miracles, we expect to go to heaven. And Jesus is going to say to them, I never knew you. That's a scary thought, that there are some people today, and many, many people today, who absolutely are convinced and would be offended if you said that you didn't see a miracle, you didn't perform a miracle. No, that's not the point. The point is, is this a miracle that has been sent to deceive you, or is this a miracle that has been sent to strengthen your faith in God? And we have to look at the scriptures to make that decision. So Alan, what you're saying definitely fits with some of the warnings God has given us in the scriptures. And so would you agree that there's a couple of things that we need to remember? One is that no matter how strongly we believe in something, we can be wrong, right? So we have to assess what we believe with God's word, as you've pointed out, to see if it matches. And that God also warned us that we're not capable within ourselves to direct our own steps, at least spiritually. Yeah, that is something that, again, it would insult someone to say, look, you don't know what you're talking about. So I don't say that. I take them to the scripture. God says in Proverbs 14 and verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now, if that's in the scriptures, I have to believe it. I have to believe, and, and I think that Paul would be an excellent example of that. Paul thought that he should persecute the church. Paul thought that he should destroy Christians and put them to death. There was a way that he thought was right. And for many years, he acted on that. But the end of that would have been the way of death. The Pharisees who crucified Jesus or who were a part of getting him crucified, they were convinced that he was not the Christ. So there is a way that seems right. And I think most of us would have to acknowledge that at some time in our life, we were absolutely convinced of something. And then over time and through the scriptures, we realized that we were wrong and we repented. That's really the essence of repentance. And and so my... Uh, my, the point that I think we need to consider is, are these miracles in the same category? Is that a way that we think is right, but the end will be in the way of death? When Jesus says, I never knew you, depart from me, well, depart from me means you're going to enter into the eternal fire. So there are going to be some people 
who think they are disciples of Jesus, who call Jesus Lord, who are performing miracles, and Jesus is going to tell them on the last day, I never knew you. Now, those of us who believe in miracles, we need to take that to heart. And the second thing that God has revealed to us in Jeremiah chapter 10 is that I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Well then, who does direct them? Well, God wants to direct them. The entire purpose of miracles was to confirm the word that Jesus Christ revealed to his apostles, giving us an absolute standard upon which to measure everything that would come thereafter. And that's why John says, don't go onward. Don't Whoever goes onward and doesn't abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. And no miracle can remove that scripture. No miracle can nullify that scripture. If a miracle attempts to nullify that scripture, then that's a false miracle because the Holy Spirit wrote those words. We know that. That's the standard. So uh, we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart, and we need to be very careful that we don't lean on our own understanding. And, and this is the problem. Once you've performed a miracle uh, or you've seen a miracle performed, it that there's a grave temptation to uh, trust in that miracle and set aside the clear scriptures. And we've got to avoid that at all costs. <clears throat> So, Alan, can you perhaps give our listeners some uh, insight, you know, from the scriptures uh, in terms of how, uh, you know, God potentially, you know, gives us guidance or gives us, uh, you know, protection, if you will, you know, some method perhaps that allows us to tell the difference, you know, between a, a miracle that is a, you know, true, genuine from God versus a false one? That's an excellent, excellent question. And, and I hope all our listeners will give careful thought to that. Is there a clear mark? that you can tell immediately, no matter how powerful the miracle is, no matter how amazing the miracle is, no matter how uh, moving and, and strengthening that miracle is, what are the people teaching who are performing them? That's all that matters. Nothing else matters. If they're teaching the truth right out of the scriptures, 100% teaching the truth, then that miracle would be a miracle that is performed and is doing exactly what God designed for it to do. If the person is not teaching the truth, then that's a false miracle, no matter how much power it is, no matter how amazing it is, and no matter how clearly you saw it with your own eyes, if within months or years even of seeing the miracle, you come to the conclusion that the people who are performing these miracles are not teaching the truth in the scriptures. Well, then at that point, you need to realize that that's not a genuine miracle. It was amazing. It, it, it moved you. You saw it. It was incredible. But how could it be a miracle if it doesn't confirm the word of God? Because that's what all miracles are designed to do. So, you know, Alan, all of us uh, that you know, use a scale or a measure of weight, for instance, or things like a tape measure of any length, um, you know, we, we realize it's to verify that standard or verify that it is a proper weight for what we're buying, for instance. And so, um, you know, if two people disagree, you know, it's pretty easy to resolve it, right? Because we can go to that standard of measure, whether it be a scale or a tape measure and that sort of thing. Uh, from a spiritual perspective, is there a scale that we can like weigh miracles, if you will, or you know measure against that standard, of course, of God's word? Yeah, that's an that's an excellent point, and I I really want our listeners to carefully consider this because sometimes when we are are buying something, uh, we wonder if we're being cheated. We wonder if the weight is really if we're buying a hundred kg of something, then we want a hundred kg. We don't want. Uh, 98 or 97 and if a dispute arises i think this bag is too light well we get a scale we put it on the scale if the scale says 100 kg and the scale is a, a certified scale then we know we weren't cheated and the same thing with a measurement if i'm going to go out and buy something that uh, has certain measurement to it certain length and i feel like well i don't think this is long enough i don't feel like i'm being properly uh uh given what my money was designed to buy. Well, let's get a tape and let's weigh it out or let's measure it. And, and 
the dispute's over. Once the scale verifies the weight or once the tape measure verifies the length, well, then we're finished. And that's one of the most critical elements about miracles. Jesus and his apostles are the absolute standard of genuine miracles because they were given those miracles and the Holy Spirit was verifying everything that they were teaching. And when they finished writing the New Testament scriptures, now we have a scale that we can weigh every miracle. Now we have a tape measure that we can measure every miracle in the scriptures and make a decision because there are two kinds of miracles. There's no doubt about this. There's two kinds of miracles in the scriptures. We see them in the Old Testament. We see them in the New Testament. Uh, Simon the sorcerer was able to perform uh, what many people in his, his, in his uh, region of Samaria thought were miracles, but when uh, Philip came, they immediately could see that what Philip was able to do was far different from what Simon was able to do. And so I think that there's, there's four verse, or three verses here that we want to look at in, in quick succession because we want to see that there is a gold standard upon which to weigh every miracle. And I'll have you listeners looking at these scriptures and trying to see if you can see what the scale is or what the tape measure is. And then after we've read these three scriptures, we will, uh, we will discuss this a little bit further. So, uh, Jeff, would you mind reading Mark chapter 16, verses 19 and 20? Sure. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So Jesus goes back to heaven. He sits down at the right hand of God. And the people, you know, we didn't read verse six, 15 and 16, but in verse 15, Jesus had said, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. Then he goes back to sit down at the right hand of God, exalted. And they, the people he had commanded, went out and preached. They preached everywhere. And then it says, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Now, if you look carefully, you see the gold standard right here. The word was confirmed through the signs. Well, if the word is confirmed by the signs, then the signs are the secondary and the confirming of the word is the primary. The Lord worked with them and confirmed the word they were preaching. So the gospel is being preached and the truth that what this man is teaching is the gospel is given through the signs. So the signs are the scale upon which the Word of God is weighed, and it is the Word of God that has become the standard by which the miracle is weighed. Let's, if this sounds complicated, let's look at another verse. Brian, why don't you read verses, Acts chapter 14 and verse 3, please? Here it says, Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who is bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So once again, we see the same thing. The Lord granted the signs and wonders to be done because he wanted to bear witness to the truth of the word they were preaching. And uh, that's exactly what we see in Mark chapter uh, 16 and verse uh, 20 there, that the preaching of the word is confirmed by the accompanying signs. The Lord bears witness to the word by granting the signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So we're seeing a, we're seeing a pattern here, and the pattern is that if the preaching is the truth, then the miracles are going to confirm that truth which verifies the miracles. If the, if the preaching is false, then the Lord could not give any miracles because he couldn't confirm their word. 
So if, for example, Paul is going out there preaching everywhere that he that believeth that his baptized will be saved and the Lord allows him to perform miracles, then the word that he is preaching is the truth and the miracles that he is performing are genuine. But should Paul change his preaching and begin to preach that baptism is not necessary, or should he begin to preach something different from what the Lord wanted preached, miracles would cease for him. The Lord could not confirm what he was preaching anymore. And so if he did continue to perform miracles, they would be false miracles. They wouldn't be genuine. They would be miracles that he was devising and not the ones that came from the Lord. And I think we see that even more clearly uh, in Hebrews uh, chapter 2. Jeff, would you like to read Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4? Okay. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. So once again, we see the priority and then what confirms that priority. The priority here is the salvation which is spoken first by the Lord. Okay, the gospel, uh, the good news was preached by Jesus. We have that recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the absolute standard of what Jesus taught and the miracles that God allowed him to perform to confirm that he was his son. You see, if, if Jesus had been teaching error, the Lord could not have allowed him to perform miracles because that would have kept all of us from our salvation. But Jesus only taught the truth, and so the Lord allowed him to perform miracles. After he went back to heaven, the Hebrew writer goes on to say, it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So now we've got Peter and Paul and James and Jude and all of the different apostles out there preaching the same thing. And then in verse 4, God also bearing witness. So we have Jesus' witness, <clears throat> we have uh, the apostles' witness, and now we have God' witness. Well, what's God's witness? The signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So these signs and wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit were all given to bear witness of the Word. If God bore witness of the Word in the first century by giving all of these things, and we see five different things listed here, four or five different things. First, we see signs, which would be acts of amazing power that point to something. If, if I see a sign, a sign is always given for the purpose of direction. So if I'm on a road driving and I see a sign that says five kilometers or five miles to such and such location, well, that's giving me a direction. Well, these miracles were signs. They were given to show that the one who was performing them was preaching the truth. The wonder is the same thing, the response that it creates, and various miracles, healings, uh, feeding 5,000 with, with a few loaves of fish, walking on water, calming a storm, uh, raising the dead, various miracles, and then gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I believe there's uh, 10 or 11 of them listed there. There's this the ability to speak in tongues, the ability to interpret tongues, the ability to perform miracles, the ability to prophesy and preach by inspiration. So these gifts of the Holy Spirit, so every one of them has been placed on the scale. The scale is the Word of God. If they confirm the Word of God, then they're genuine miracles. If they contradict the Word of God, then they are false miracles. So no one is saying that these miracles are not amazing, that they are not incredible, that the things that are being performed today are not something that uh, causes people to really be moved emotionally. However, if it doesn't weigh on the scale of the people who are performing it are preaching the same truth that the apostles preached, well, now it's not a genuine miracle. It can't be a genuine. If miracles were given to confirm the truth of what the person preaching is preaching, and the truth 
is not the same truth as found in the scriptures, we have a serious problem. We have a serious disconnect. When the Holy Spirit reveals the truth in the first century and tells us this is the absolute standard, don't add to it, don't take from it, don't change it, don't modify it, and then 2,000 years later, we now have people performing miracles telling us we can change it, we can modify it, we can set it aside, we don't have to be concerned about it. Uh, I hope we can all realize that that puts the Holy Spirit in a very, very difficult position. Because truth is truth. It doesn't change. And this was something Jesus was very concerned about. Uh, and he made sure his apostles understood that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which they were going to receive, had one central goal and one central aim. And once we understand this, I think we're in a much better position to understand whether the miracles that we are seeing, or maybe even the miracles that we are performing, are not coming from the right source, and maybe these are going to lead to our death, and maybe we need to reevaluate through the scriptures. So, uh, Brian, would you please read uh, John chapter 14, verse 26 for us, please? Uh, yes, here it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So Jesus wants his apostles, and of course us, because these weren't just written, these just weren't spoken for their purpose, they were also spoken for ours. The Holy Spirit is going to come in my name. The Holy Spirit is going to be sent by the Father. So Jesus, as we've already read, is sitting at the right hand of God, exalted, and the Father is, of course, sitting next to him. And then the Holy Spirit has been sent down to earth to continue working with the apostles. And of course, we understand that's where the power to perform the miracles was given. But what was the real central purpose of the Holy Spirit's coming? Was it just to perform miracles? Is that why the Holy Spirit came? Just to help people with their physical problems and, and give them food and clothing or shelter or, or something along these lines? Well, that's not what salvation is all about. Salvation is in learning the truth. You remember in 1 Timothy, Paul says that God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So coming to the knowledge of the truth, and Jesus says, well, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is going to teach you all things. He's going to bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And then let's plug one other verse in. Jeff, would you please read uh, John 16, 13? Okay. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you unto all truth. So all truth has been revealed by the Holy Spirit. The miracles were for that purpose. The preaching of the apostles was for that purpose. The writing of the New Testament scriptures was for that purpose. All of the warnings that the Lord gave. You remember in John 8, 32, he says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, if the miracles I'm performing are leading me away from the word, those can't be genuine miracles. The truth is in the Word. The truth is not in miracles. Miracles can be true or false. We don't know whether they're true or false unless we hear what the miracles are being sent to confirm. And if the miracles are confirming something that we know is false, well, then that's not a true miracle. That's not a genuine miracle, regardless of how exciting and how interesting it is. So as we look at these uh, five verses, uh, Mark 16, Acts 14, and Hebrews chapter 2, all saying that the Lord was confirming the word that the apostles were preaching and the prophets were preaching through the miracles, and that God was bearing witness to the things that were being preached. And then the other two verses were promises that Jesus gave, and they were that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for the purpose of teaching them all things, bringing to their remembrance everything he taught them while he was on earth, and guiding them into all truth. So the miracles must be hand-in-hand hand with the truth. And the truth must be hand-in-hand hand with the miracles. But once the Holy Spirit reveals a truth, that's a truth for all time not going to be changed. It, it, we, we can't have 
the scriptures in the New Testament being modified to teach exactly the opposite of what they were being taught at the time, and then think that these new miracles are causing us to now set aside scripture. When that happens, we have a serious contradiction in truth, and we had better stop and reflect on that. Because when we go before God on the judgment day, we have to have a love for the truth. Oh, and Alan, I think you make a, a very fundamental and yet real important point. Because I think most people, when they see, you know, these kinds of miracles, tend to, you know, come to the conclusion, oh, well, you know, this must be of God, so therefore what the person is saying must be true. You know, whether that, you know, precedes the miracle or the guy is saying something, you know, after the miracle, and just automatically assume, oh, well, okay, so the miracle's from God, therefore this person's from God, therefore, you know, what he's saying is from God that we're seeing today. Uh, and I think what you're saying is, well, no, you cannot make that assumption. So at least for our listeners, are there other passages in Scripture that you can maybe point to that kind of, you know, builds this case further that any sort of miracle that we think we see really has to be weighed on, quote unquote, the, the scale of God's word? That's exactly excellent and right. Uh, and yes, there is a verse. And, and Jeff, if you'd like to read it for all of our listeners, we talked a little bit about this verse last week, so, uh, or, or excuse me, in the last podcast. So we're not going to elaborate on this, but let's read Matthew chapter 7, verses uh, 21 through 23. Okay. And this is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I want to, let, let's, let's really think about this for a moment, because this is so important to our listeners. Here are some people who are absolutely convinced that on the judgment day, Jesus will let them into heaven based on their miracles. Matter of fact, they use that as their basis, just like many people are doing today. Many people today believe that those miracles they're performing are the, all the proof they need that they're going to go to heaven. And so Jesus is giving them the opportunity. He says, many of them will say to me in that day, this is the judgment day, this is the final day when God decides who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost. And these people come before him saying, we have prophesied in your name, we have cast out demons in your name, and we have done many wonders, many miracles in your name. So they have what we would consider the gold standard. I mean, this is perfect. This is exactly what they need. We've got all these miracles, Lord. And then, shocking, the Lord says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Now, they were performing miracles. They were convinced they were performing miracles, not just a few, but many. Many who are performing miracles will go before the Lord on the judgment day, having believing that they have prophesied, cast out demons, and done many wonders in your name. That's what the Lord says here. That's what they're going to say. And again, there are multitudes, probably hundreds of thousands of people, who will be saying these same words on the judgment day. And verse 23 is what they're going to hear. I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, how do we know? How do we know if our miracles are genuine miracles or if they are false miracles? Well, he gives us the answer in verse 21. If you do the will of your Father in heaven. Now, that's what the truth was designed to give us, was the Father's will. God's word from uh, the New Testament scriptures, from Matthew to Revelation, these are the revelations of God's will, what God wants to be done. It is God's will. Whatever is in the scripture is God's will. Whatever is not in the scripture or contradicts the scripture is not God's will. If my miracles are contradicting the scriptures, then they are false miracles. That's, this is, again, this is the gold standard here. If my miracles keep me from doing the will of my Father in heaven, because I'm with a group of people who are teaching things that are not in the scriptures, then on the judgment day, Jesus says, 
I'm going to declare I never knew you. Now, this is an absolute truth, and many people are going to hear it. And I don't want any of our listeners to hear this. So I want them to carefully consider if the miracles you have seen and if the miracles you have performed have convinced you that you are a faithful servant of God, I would warn you that there's still one more step you have to take, and that is you better check your miracles with the scriptures and you better check the group of people you're working with with the scriptures because if there is a disconnect, then that's a false miracle. And I don't know how, to, how else to put it. Jesus places them side by side on the scale. On one side of the scale are those who are doing the will of God. On the other side of the scale are those who are not doing the will of God, but they are performing miracles. And the people who are doing the will of God are going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But the people who are performing miracles that are keeping them from doing the will of God are going to be cast out after being told, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, the Greek word lawlessness here means somebody who will not submit to the law. Now, the law of Christ is Matthew through Revelation. That's the law of Christ. Uh, James speaks of this in chapter 1. We look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of Christ. And if we follow that law, then we are practicing law. But if we set aside that law, then we're practicing lawlessness. And so they're placed side by side. They are right next to each other. And we need to give careful thought to this. And there's one other verse for those who are performing miracles and for those who want to assess their miracles, they need to look at this verse. Uh, Brian, you want to read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses uh, 9 and 10? Uh, yes, here talking about uh, the coming of the lawless one. It says here, according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So, the key to this verse is the love of the truth. We've got the miracles here, but these are powerful, they are signs, but they are lies. Now, the people who see these signs are absolutely convinced. That's the purpose for them. And many are going to follow those that, that perform such miracles. So, God wants us to clearly understand miracles are not enough. Miracles are not the scale. The scale is the Word of God. Miracles have to be weighed on the Word of God. If the miracles confirm the Word of God, then they would be genuine miracles. If the miracles are... Uh, contradicting the Word of God or teaching something different than what the Word of God says, then that would be a false miracle. So we have to look at our miracles and we have to make an assessment, especially in our day and age. In the first century, it was much easier because in the first century, the miracles were being performed as the people were preaching the gospel and the miracles were confirming the word they were preaching. The Holy Spirit was inspiring their words. The Holy Spirit was giving the miracles to show he was inspiring their words. And it was a very simple matter to compare the scriptures with the miracles. Today it's a little more complicated because the people who are preaching uh, are teaching things that are not in the scriptures. And because they're not in the scriptures, the miracles themselves become suspect. Even though they look like it, they smell like it, they taste like it, they feel like it, it, it just seems like it was a miracle. However, what they're preaching is not in the scriptures. Therefore, regardless of how you feel about the miracle, you better reject it. Because if you don't, you're putting the miracle above your love for the truth. And Paul here reveals that the unrighteous deception of those who perish is based on they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So God looks at my love for the truth as being much higher, much more important than miracles. Miracles are something that are exciting, they are enticing, they bring about a great sense of accomplishment, but they don't bring me any closer to God. And they do not give me a knowledge of the truth. Only the scriptures will do that. And so the miracles themselves have to be assessed 
by the scriptures. So Jesus and the Holy Spirit are very, very clear here. If the miracle is not directly tied to the truth, it's a false miracle. So in this respect, the miracle doesn't have as much value as the scriptures today. The miracle alone can't prove truth, but the scripture can prove truth. You know, Alan, it would be helpful to our listeners to learn about the history of the miracles that some religions claim are being performed today. Can you share what you found through your research? Yeah, I I took some time this afternoon. Of course, I've I've known these things for years, but I wanted to give the listeners an opportunity to look at this if they'd like to. Uh, the uh, the the encyclopedia online is called uh, the Wikipedia Encyclopedia, and of course, I'm not endorsing everything that they say, but they for the for the most part they give factual information, and I found a quote that I would like our listeners to think about, and I, I want to read it. It's it's one of the first paragraphs in this uh, uh, article, and it says this, the charismatic movement is an international trend of historically mainstream Christian congregations to adopt the beliefs and practices similar to Pentecostalism. Fundamental to the movement is the use of spiritual gifts. So what they're saying here is, is that the uh, ability to perform miracles, to speak in tongues, to uh, the ability to perform any supernatural act was first in the Pentecostal churches, and then it started moving into what they call the traditionally, historically mainstream. And so they say among the Anglicans, which would be the Episcopalian Church in America, the charismatic movement emerged in 1958. It reached the Lutherans and Presbyterians in 1962. Among Roman Catholics, it spread around 1967. Methodists became involved in the charismatic movement in the 1970s. So for many of our our listeners, that's a long time ago. For some of us, that's still within our lifespan. 1958 is when a lot of these things started happening. Before 1958, none of the main uh, churches uh, were practicing these things. This is something that's very, very new. And here's the issue, though. We have the Roman Catholic Church, which, of course, we all know the Protestant churches in the 15th century uh, 15th, 16th century, they broke away from the Catholic Church because they believed the Catholic Church was in error. So the Lutherans, the Presbyterians, and the Anglicans were all teaching that the Catholic Church was wrong and that the Pope was not actually uh, a authority in the Scriptures. There's many practices in the Roman Catholic Church that are certainly not in the Scriptures, but now they're performing miracles. So we have Lutherans, Presbyterians, Roman Catholics, Methodists, who are all performing miracles. So the Holy Spirit, if this is true, the Holy Spirit is confirming the doctrines that the Pope is right and the Pope is wrong. The Anglicans teach that the Pope is wrong, but the Catholics teach that the Pope is right. But the Holy Spirit is allowing both of them to perform the same miracles, which would mean we have confusion. The Lutherans and the Presbyterians differ on many fundamental doctrines, so do the Anglicans and the Roman Catholics. You would think if the Holy Spirit had actually come upon them that they would be leaving all of these doctrines and coming back to the Scriptures. But the exact opposite has occurred. Instead of these groups becoming closer and closer aligned to the Scriptures, since the 70s, many of these groups have completely cast off the scriptures. Uh, some of them, notably the Presbyterians, are teaching that the Apostle Paul was not right in some of his teachings. They believe that the role of the woman in the church that Paul proclaimed is no longer applicable. And because they're performing miracles, that the same miracles Paul performed, now we've got the Holy Spirit in the first century confirming what Paul wrote, and now we have the Holy Spirit in the last 50 years saying what Paul wrote was wrong. Well, that's, that's a very serious problem that I think all of our listeners could see. If, if the Holy Spirit is now confirming, because it didn't start with these churches, almost every church 
in the world today has some people in it who believe they're speaking in tongues, who believe that there are prophets, who believe that they have seen miracles, and they are absolutely convinced that their church is right, but the churches don't agree. If the churches agreed, then this would not be an issue, but these churches do not agree. And so now we're in a position where we essentially have to give up truth. There is no truth. If, if the miracles being performed today are true miracles, then the Holy Spirit is confirming every doctrine of every church, even if it contradicts the doctrines of another church. That's impossible. There has to be false miracles if that's what's going on. And I hope our listeners can appreciate the dilemma that this has occurred. In the, in the early 1900s, there was only the Pentecostal church teaching that there were these miracles, and yet even among the Pentecostal churches, there were arguments and disagreements and divisions because one group didn't agree with another group, but they both claimed to have the Holy Spirit who would not allow that to happen. Paul told the Corinthians, you need to speak the same things and there can't be any divisions among you because that's what the Holy Spirit, he has revealed the truth. In Ephesians chapter 4, we need to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one Spirit, there is one baptism, there is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in you all. But if the miracles that are being performed today are contradicting that, they're false miracles. I don't know how else to put it. It's very troubling to have to point these things out. But out of love and out of consideration, I think that we all need to realize that there's some serious problems with the miracles that are being performed today. Well, and even to the list of uh, groups that you mentioned, I know you can add the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, who you know believe in you know modern-day miraculous you know updating uh, revelation. Uh, and I know it's somewhat rare. I've even encountered some members of the uh, Church of Christ uh, that claim you know the charismatic uh, background, speaking in tongues, etc. But I think you're making a, a very insightful point because if holy spirit is behind all of this then sounds like we just take the bible potentially and just reject what the bible says because it doesn't matter what the bible says i mean you can believe you have to follow the pope you can believe you don't have to follow the pope you can believe in you know calvinism total inherited depravity or you can believe in you know other contradictory things and that we've got to toss out the bible and so long as you're going to perform a miracle, then that's what we should do. Definitely confusing. And that's, that's the exact point, is if the miracles being performed today are true miracles, then the Bible is no longer relevant. The Bible is no longer valuable. So you have a choice. If you want to hold to the miracles, then the Bible is no longer the standard upon which we are going to judge everything. If we're going to use the Bible as our standard, then all of the miracles that are being performed today are false miracles. If the Catholics, Mormons, Seventh-day Adventists, uh, Church of Christ, uh, Episcopalians, Anglicans, Lutherans, Presbyterians, are all Methodists are all performing miracles, then doctrine no longer has any uh, any value. Truth has no value. And that is a conclusion that I think would, I, I hope it would cause our listeners to recoil. We can't have miracles that are making us throw the Bibles into the trash because they're worthless. Uh, if the Bible teaches what all of the denominations are teaching today as truth based on the miracles they're performing, then that Bible has no real benefit at all. The Bible was written to be the absolute standard. It has been the absolute standard. Jesus says it will never pass away. It's going to be here throughout all eternity. It's going to bring every person who wants to serve the Lord. But now we have a movement that is undermining the authority of the scriptures and based on miracles. Can these be true miracles? I don't think so. So then are there any churches performing miracles today? And I think 
that there's one verse that we need to go to. So, Brian, would you please read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 10? Uh, yes, here it says, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. This is a verse that I would have liked to have begun with in our, in our podcast, but because of the prejudice that is going on in the world today, there are so many people who believe they're performing miracles, so many people who believe their family members are performing miracles, so many people who believe that they have had a miracle. And so to begin the study with there are no miracles today would have been something that would have been almost ludicrous to start with. But I hope that after going through our study together that we now understand that, yes, indeed, there are two kinds of miracles. There are miracles that confirm the word, which was done in the first century, and there are miracles that deny the word or people take people away from the word, and those are the miracles that are being performed today. I'm not aware of any miracles that people are performing today by churches that are wanting to hold fast to the scriptures and not wanting to make any modifications. As a matter of fact, miracles, for the most part, lead people away from scripture because they put something more important. The miracles are more important than scripture. If you feel that way, then be afraid because on the judgment day, the Lord will assess you based on the scripture. Remember in John chapter 12 and verse 48, he that rejecteth me and does not accept my words has one that judges him. The words I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So on the last day, it isn't the miracles. The miracles aren't going to help us at all. It's the word of God. So when Paul says love never fails, but prophecies will and tongues will and miraculous knowledge will, and of course all the spiritual gifts will, and it will happen when the perfect has come. Well, what would the perfect be? Well, James said in James chapter 1 that whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man will be blessed in all of his doings. When the New Testament was finished, when the last book of the New Testament was finished, when the last apostle passed from the earth, there was no longer a need for miracles and there was no longer a way to uh, receive the ability to perform miracles. This is, this is another element of this study that we haven't spent a lot of time on, but uh, again, I would, I would urge our listeners to think carefully about this. How do you get the ability to perform miracles today? And of course, many people say, well, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But what they don't realize is the baptism of the Holy Spirit was only given twice in the New Testament. It was given in, in Acts 2 to the apostles, and the apostles spoke with other tongues, and they preached the word. They preached the truth, and the Lord confirmed what they were preaching by those miracles. The second time was Cornelius and his household in Acts chapter 10. And in that event, they too spoke in tongues, and they too were allowed to uh, manifest the abilities, the supernatural gifts. But once again, it was with the apostle Peter there to Give them the truth, the word of God. Other than that, there is no account, no example, nothing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the rest of the epistles. None of the letters that Paul wrote or Peter wrote, or they do not refer or reference the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What they do say is there is only one baptism today. And Peter says that that baptism is water. Even after the, or the Cornelius' household received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Peter said, can anyone forbid the water that these should not be baptized just like we were? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So the name of the Lord Jesus' baptism is water baptism, not Holy Spirit baptism. So when people today claim they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how did they receive it? you pray for it? How do you get this? Only God can dispense it, and God hasn't given us any way for it to be dispensed. The second way that they received 
the spiritual gifts in the first century was through the laying on of the apostles' hands. But since all the apostles have died, there is no way to receive these miracles. The scriptures have said these miracles have ceased, and all of the miracles that are being performed today are creating confusion. They're not creating unity. They're not creating truth. They're creating just exactly the opposite. So my conclusion, after studying this for many, many years, I have not seen a miracle being performed in any place in the world since the first century that could be validated or proved. And in the reality is there was no need for it. There was no purpose for it. And the goal was always to lead people away from the truth instead of toward the truth. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, bottom line, uh, Alan, and especially the point you made about, you know, if you started off with 1 Corinthians 13, you know, most of our listeners might have just, you know, turned off the podcast to, you know, go listen to something else. But it is an, it's an essential part of the scriptures, you know, in the overall context, I think, with uh, 1 Corinthians, you know, chapters 12 and 13 and 14, you know, Paul's trying to uh, correct the Corinthians regarding their use or abuse or inflated you know, opinion of you know, certain kind of gifts or other gifts. And right in the middle of all that, he gives this very, in some ways, astonishing uh, assertion, uh, prediction, if you will, that everything they're squabbling over is going away, uh, which is, there's a, another uh, interesting kind of a side argument, if you will, for 1 Corinthians 13. It says, some people think that the perfect is Jesus, you know, coming back, a uh, second return. Uh, but that wouldn't really fit the context if Paul telling the Corinthians, yeah, stop all this squabbling because thousands of years of now, you know, these miracles will cease. Well, that doesn't quite make sense. Right. And of course, I think you made the point about, you know, the perfect law of liberty when the revelation was finished, the, the need for all the confirmation, you know, fell away. The, the childish things, uh, which I think you know, uh, uh, Paul goes on to mention, kind of fall away as well. That's, that's an interesting bottom line conclusion as, as we begin to wrap up our podcast today. Did you want to add anything to it? I, I do. I, I would like to just make this one point, and that is that the arguments, or let me use the word, the discussions and the study of the scriptures regarding the use of miracles and the purpose of miracles makes this verse confirmed. If this verse were standing alone, that miracles were going to cease at a certain point, then perhaps we could make some arguments for or against it. But when we compare this verse with what actually is being done today in the, in the religious world, if we compare what the religious world is doing with these miracles, we compare it with what the scriptures say miracles are for, we would have to conclude that all of the miracles being performed today are false. And once we conclude that, then the verse that says that they have been done away makes perfect sense. But if we start with, I've seen miracles and you've seen miracles and we all believe in miracles. And then we come to this verse, which says that when that which is in part has been complete, the perfect will come. And you say, well, see, therefore no miracles anymore. Everybody would say, wait a minute, how can that be? But when you follow the line of reasoning that we've followed in this, in this podcast, when you finally get to the end that Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, Catholics, Pentecostals, Methodists, Presbyterians, Assemblies of God, uh, every church all over the world that's performing these miracles, teaching every doctrine in the world is all confirmed by these miracles, then you have to throw up your hands and say, wait a minute, there is a serious problem. And when Jesus says that on the judgment day, there's going to be some people who come before him saying these miracles are going to get us into heaven. And he says, no, they're not. My father's will is going to get you into heaven and you didn't do it. So I just hope all our listeners will listen carefully. And there's a lot of things on our website that would verify many of the things that we've spoken today. And I hope that our listeners will be more interested in truth and less interested in the excitement of these miracles, which prove nothing, confirm nothing, and have really no value whatsoever when it in regard to the truth. 
Yeah, you know, Alan, I appreciate the way you approach this two-part series because, you know, what you've demonstrated through the scriptures is that there is more than one way to prove that, you know, so-called miracles and those who are claiming to perform them are false. And, you know, for our listeners, the Bible also teaches us that we have a responsibility to test those who claim to perform miracles and to test what they are teaching. And I'll just leave us with one final passage, and that's in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, where it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And Alan, that's still true today, isn't it? And will continue be, to be true until Jesus comes again. Absolutely. And that's just one of hundreds of verses. If you now read through the scriptures, you're going to find so many scriptures that prove the truth of what we're telling you and no scriptures that will prove the truth of what these people who are performing miracles today are proclaiming. You know, we would certainly encourage our listeners to, you know, open your Bibles, you know, study some of the scriptures we've provided. Don't take our word for it. Uh, that we would also encourage our listeners to go to BibleQuestions.org, where we've got material on this topic and a lot of other topics. Uh, at least, but at least for this particular topic, under the topics menu item, under M for miracles, you can also look under topics uh, H for Holy Spirit. And there's also a uh, some lessons that Alan uh, did previously that are published under the lessons. Christian Living Supernatural Power uh, menu item. So once again, we would encourage our audience to, you know, dig into the scriptures, let the scriptures be your guide, and definitely not rely on your own senses or your own experiences. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.